Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regime and Refugee and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today, my friends. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And I hope you're going to have a great weekend because the weekend is upon us. And you know, I always love the weekend. I'm a little bit late recording this podcast today, but I just needed a break after a heavy week. So here we are. And thank you so much for joining me and your support all the way. Um, I just want to talk about something today. Uh, the leader, the uh, president of the Congress, Malik Arjun Karje, was, um, had met the president of India, the Honorable Srimati uh, um, Draupadi Murmur. Um, and... Um, Obviously, they talked about Manipur and that Manipur is burning and that the, pres- the center is doing nothing. But they're just playing politics. They're just playing politics, okay? Um, they're just playing politics, divide and rule. They don't give a damn. Uh, they have never given a damn. They, if they really cared, they would have opened their mouth about what was going on in Manipur for the last 75 years. Now, let's just start. I just want to talk about the Congress here. Forget about um, Manipur. Just put that aside. Put Malik Arjun Karja aside. And we'll start with the Congress, okay? Uh, the Congress Party of India, okay, was actually a platform uh, for the newly... Uh, for the newly elect, for new new um, educated people, um, educated people of the British Raj, uh, those who were first generation, second generation educated um, uh, with the British Empire, uh, through either going to London or through universities or schools in India, and these people were given a platform. Um, it, a platform to speak and to discuss ideas, just like how you have today. When you go to college, you have a uh, you know, platform to, to speak, to discuss, to debate. And that's part of democracy. That's how democracy runs. That's how, uh, people, uh, that, that's how people evolve, with sharing of ideas. And this was a platform by a British uh, person um, in 1885. Um, it was the initiative of a retired civil service officer, uh, Alan Octavian Hame, uh, known for his pro-India activities. Um, in, uh, Hame had uh, outlined his idea for a body representing Indian interests in an open letter to graduates of the University of Calcutta, uh, and was aimed, it was aimed to obtain a greater share in government education government for educated Indians to create a platform for civic and political dialogue between them and the British Raj. So it was basically a platform for civil dialogue, um, sharing ideas and so on and so forth. Obviously everything when it comes to government and, and student bodies eventually leads to politics. And this was the era of 
the empires all over the world crumbling down. People wanted to get away from the empires and form city-states. And this was common all around the world. It was not just in India. It was uh, the British Empire, Portuguese Empire, Spanish Empire, all the empires coming down, the uh, um, Ottoman Empire, all these empires from Arabia to Persia to, uh, to Iran to everywhere. Um, these empires were finally coming down and everyone wanted to form their own city-states, break away and hold on to power, however small it was or big it was, by forming their own states. And this around this time, they also had... The Muslim League was formed in 1901, if I'm not mistaken, but same with the same intent of forming by of the elite of the descendants of the of the Mughal Raj who wanted to resurrect and hold on to power uh, and and create a new model uh, state f uh, on on the basis of the Mughal Empire because they were descendants of the empire. They had power and they want to have power back. Over time. There were many, many, um, you know, politicians of the early years of the Congress. Um, Rahul Gandhi likes to say that the Congress Party, the Congress movement, the uh, the, the movement, independence movement, started in um, South Africa. Okay, uh, he he recently says, you know, many people don't know this, but the Congress Party, but the independence movement started in South Africa, which is absolute nonsense. I mean, absolute bilkul nonsense. The Congress, um, several political leaders, right from the beginning, Dada by Nauroji, um, uh, he was a member of the sister organization, the Indian National Association. Um, and he was the first uh, member of parliament of Indian descent, of Indian member of parliament of the British House of Commons. They also included, we celebrated recently the birth anniversary of Bal Gangadhar Tilak, Bipin Chandrapal, Lala Rajpatrai, Gopal Krishna Gokhale, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, who was one of the leading members of the independence movement, the early independence movement against the British. Um, favoring Hindu-Muslim unity. It's very important because people look at Jinnah as someone who broke the Indian subcontinent. But he was one of the prominent leaders in the beginning for Hindu-Muslim unity. He was there even before Mahatma Gandhi came. And when one Mahatma Gandhi comes on the scene, he's very, very prominent. Um, and... Uh, um, Jinha even invites him and has a party to 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 um, inaugurate his uh, arrival into India, um, and of course we know um, we know that um, th th these two Jinha and and um, what's his name. Jinnah and Muhammad Ali and Mahatma Gandhi did not get along very well. It is said, allegedly said, that. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi, the fool that he was, and I apologize for saying it, but I, I still think he was a fool. He called um, Jinnah, who was not very Muslim, although he was Muslim by name and by, by faith. Remember, he's a third generation convert, okay? His grandfather was once upon a time a Hindu. Um, and Jinnah uh, and Mahatma Gandhi call him a Mohammedan. Jinnah, who was not very Muslim, he ate pork, drank wine, he liked the ladies, he was a good, you know, handsome bachelor. Um, 
and he did not like Mahatma Gandhi singling him out as a Mohammedan and he was really the prominent leader at that time. From there, there was friction and something and they never got along with any on any ideological basis what really caused the problem was what gandhi um gandhi's alignment with um Gandhi's alignment with the Caliphate movement. The Caliphate movement was made out of Muslims, and not all Muslims, but you know, always the, the minority, the bottom of the pack, who are always uh, brainwashed and indoctrinated by these mullahs, who are people who have no connection to the land, people who are uh, distraught in their personal lives, traumatized, um, you know, come from broken homes, come from violence, and that trauma translates on, into the streets and they're rebranded. This trauma and anxiety, this ignorance is now rebranded into political uh, agenda and, they, and the mullahs use this mob, this type of people for mob violence and they started the Khilafat movement all the way up to the Ottoman to save the Ottoman Empire. Now, when we have a group of people, not everyone in the group thinks the same way. It's similarly like the Congress. You have the left wing in the Congress, you have the right wing in the Congress. Um, you had people like uh, Sadar Vallabhai Patel, who was on the right side, and you had extreme socialist who was Nehru and, and all his gang on the left of the Congress. But there are many different ideas, and similarly among communities, you have community members. Everyone doesn't think the same. Everyone... Um, Everyone doesn't think the same. In India, no one thinks the same. In the world, no one thinks the same. You, your label has nothing to do with it. It's how you interpret an, um, a junction. A junction is 360 degrees and you have different people at different angles having different opinions. It is normal. Uh, and so the bulk of the Muslims did not take up for this Khilafat movement. And one of the people who did not take up was Jinnah. He was angry. He said he wanted to win independence through constitutional means. That means not uh, protest on the streets, marching, uh, emotional, uh, you know, riots and marching, because he knew that this could this could bubble out of of, of control, and once it volcan uh, volcanates out of control, all the garbage from will find a vent to come on the street, and that will cross cause violence. And this is exactly what happened. Gandhi used the Muslims. Um, to run an agenda, supported them because he wanted to use the Muslims against the British. Now, people say, oh, he wanted their approval. He wanted their alliance with the British. That means, you know, how, can they say, how could he say to the Muslims, support us against the British, but we're not going to support you against, against the, the British uh, and the, the Ottoman Empire. Uh, your requirements against the requirements of the Ottoman Empire against the British. So when you need us for the British, when we want you for the British, you have to be there. But when you need us for the British against the British, we are not going to be there. So Gandhi couldn't say that. So he had to take up for the. But he could have taken up in a lot of ways. Okay. Now, Again, we're talking in hindsight, we were not there at that point, so we can't say what went on in, in their mind, and they're working on emotion at that point. You know, you don't have time to introspect, you're working on the dot, you know, the current stone stop for you to think. But um, 
you know, you're working live. So it's completely different as when you work in hindsight. But in hindsight, as we look at it, he used the uh, sort of the garbage at the bottom of the rung, uh, always at a cycle, you have the, you have the bottom of the cycle uh, where the water collects and you have to throw that water out and always keep changing because you're cycle after cycle. Um, he, he could have easily taken other ways to go and, and, and support the Muslims in different other ways. He could have used, but he used the violence among them. He used the people who were violent, who were aggressive, who were corrosive. And he, that angered a lot of Muslims who were non-violent, angered a lot of Muslims who did not want to use violence to, to, um, to go against uh, the British or to go against anyone in their life. They had seen a lot of violence. I mean, we think jihad is the namesake of, of, of Muslims, but that's not true. They are like people like every single one of us, and there may be a lot of people who are for jihad in different forms, but you'll also have 50% of them who will say, no, look, I, I want to feed my children. I want to put food on the table. I want a job. I want education. Basic needs of a human being has nothing to do with your label uh, and you want you want to have security that's what you want so there were a lot of Muslims against Mahatma Gandhi and among them were the elite a lot of the elite uh, educated elite and one of them was Jinnah now once you pit a Muslim against another Muslim giving given the fact that uh, this is a very violent uh, ideology because there is violence in Islam there's there is a green light, um, a checkered a green light for violence. Violence is okay in Islam under under garb of justice, under the garb of jihad, under the garb of spreading dawa, uh, sub submitting, uh, you know, going against the kufar for justice, or interpretate your interpretation can mean violence. There is enough of material there to go use violence when you think right for the for um, the support and the, and the promotion of Islam. Uh, yes, effectively, uh, you know, you you will have problems. So that pitted one section of of the Muslim population of India against another section of the Muslim population of India. Those who were um, those who were supported Gandhi and his aggressive aggressivity, his corrosion, his support of the non uh, support of the violent portion of these Muslims, the Khilafat movement, and. Uh, and his condescending um, uh, use of their violence, even against Hindus when they came back, because you know, it, like like Clinton said, like uh, Hillary Clinton said, if you rear snakes in your backyard to go into someone else's backyard, at one point the snakes will come back to bite you. So Gandhi supported the Khilafat movement, the Muslims to go and against the British in another country, in another land. But when the snakes came back, they, they bit us in the same, in our backyard. And they, they kept the same violent trend because we are cycles and waves, you're currents and waves. The currents don't stop because you changed your mind. It's, the, it's a pattern and the pattern will roll. And they kept the, the waves of those currents, those violent uh, jihadi currents for the, of the Khilafat movement, then came back and destroyed us in Mopla, um, 
in the north in Mewat, uh, which was with, there was violence in Mewat. Mahatma Gandhi was there. He tried to convince the Muslims not to go to Pakistan. He supported the Muslims even when they used violence in um, uh, violence um, in in India. In the front, he tried to portray uh, a negative, uh, a positive outlook, and saying that I'm non-violent. But behind the non-violence, he was actively supporting the jihadis of the Muslim movement, the 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 Khilafat, the descendants of the Khilafat movement, the people of the Khilafat movement, who uh, who were using violence on the ground, and he was using them against the British. So he had two-faced Mahatma Gandhi, a face in the front which showed a peaceful image, the face in the be- uh, behind which portrayed a negative, which used violence and pitted one Muslim against the other. Okay, so this Muslim versus Muslim did end up breaking the Indian subcontinent and this Muslim versus Muslim then became what is Pakistan translated into Pakistan in India. Pakistan in, in, in India was not separated on Hindu-Muslim. Pakistan and India was separated on Muslim versus Muslim. Uh, and this was the outcome of, of Mahatma Gandhi's hypocrisy, or as they say in Arabic, munafikun, which is, I think, the ninth chapter of the Quran. Um, his, he's a munaf, munaf, sorry, munafikun, uh, hypocrisy where he's using the Muslims, uh, violence of the Muslims on the back though, uh, to, to lead a civil war against the, the, the British, against uh, people who, you know, against an, for an agenda. But at the same time, the violence erupts in different ways, and the violence um, finds a vent, volcanic, volca- volcanoes out of proportion, and comes back to hit the same Hindus. And he does not say anything. He does not, uh, you know, reprimand them. He does not stop anything because he needs to get the British out. His contempt for the British was so much that he was willing to kill his own people, divide his own country. He knew this was going nowhere. He knew that the violence was getting out of hand. He knew that this violence was happening and he couldn't do anything about it. He could have said, okay, I'm stopping. I'm stopping everything. No, he did not stop. Uh, I mean, he stopped temporarily, uh, but he did not stop the movement. And, and, you know, go back to Jinnah and say, look, I've made a mistake. Can we come to the table? Um, I understand that we're going out of hand because Jinnah did not want to use until 1942. He was absolutely no one uh, before the quit in the movement. Even the, if the British didn't uh, take him seriously. They only supported him because he was not a socialist. He was a free market economist and he supported the Second World War while Mahatma Gandhi said, no, I'm not sending soldiers to the war. So that's why the British supported him. But really no one took him seriously. It was only after 1942. Now, why am I bringing this up right now? Because this Muslim on Muslim one set of Muslim who did not support, who, who supported Mahatma Gandhi's hypocrisy of violence against the British using the jihadis on the ground and, and, and not containing them, knowing that this violence was getting out of hand. And one, 
one type of Muslim who said, no, I'm not supporting this violence against anyone. I, I'm not for the violence. I'm against Mahatma Gandhi. And they took up for the only other group um, that was there, which was the Indian Muslim League. And the Indian Muslim League, how do you, 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 you fight against someone? You use, you use, if someone's violent, you have to use violence against them. It's violence versus violence. You can't use violence versus peace because you're going to get eaten alive. This was exactly what the Hindus are doing. You're trying to use peace against violent methods of, of the Indian Muslims today, or should I say the 10% the who are causing, the 15% that are causing the problem, um, 15% of the Muslims, not all the Muslims, uh, you're using you're trying to use peace and trying to calm them, but you cannot control the waves. So you have to use, you know, be of the same strength, the same street power to fight street power. That's why Yogi is, is very successful because he's using street power, he's using bulldozers to fight the violence and all, all of a sudden they keep quiet. So you have to use, you have to be of the same strength, same level. So Jinnah now takes uh, over and Jinnah uses violence against the British and Mahatma Gandhi's group. And once you have violence versus violence, it escalates into a genocide. So this would not have happened if Mahatma Gandhi did not divide the Muslims. And the Indian subcontinent was, was divided not on Hindu versus Muslim. It never started like that. And although it was portrayed as Hindu versus Muslim in the literature in the end, it really was Muslim versus Muslim. He split the Muslim community into two by supporting the jihadi groups of the Khilafat movement uh, who aggravated everyone else who didn't agree with them. And here we go. Um, completely here we go. Uh, we have a subcontinent in peril. We have people in peril. And now they think and that they are fighting against you know, and the whole world thinks the Indian partition was, was because of the British and Hindu versus Muslim, but it was not. He used the Muslims and, and that's how we are where we are today. Now, after 1923, after 1947 and the genocide, did they do anything? Did they, you know, go back to the drawing board? No. The Congress Party pretended to be, you know, socialist and secu secular, sorry, pretended to be the peaceful one. And they were supporting the minorities. From where did they get the concept of minorities in the first place? Why were they so bothered about the minorities? You're supposed to be bothered about the whole country. You're not supposed to be bothered about minorities and divide the country, run two states within the state. Because you're the pro they were the problem of independence in the first place. In We did not we would have got independence eventually, but through non-violent ways, if, if the Congress and Mahatma Gandhi were not hypocrites. They were absolute hypocrites. They tried to say that we won independence, but they didn't. They tried to say we did it through non-violent means. It was the Jinnah on the other side, and it was the Hindus, uh, because Jinnah portrayed it as, oh, the Hindus were massacring the, the Muslims. No, it was not the Hindus massacring the Muslims. It was Muslim versus Muslim uh, that split. Uh, and they were the ones doing most of the fighting. And of course, the Hindus had to protect themselves because they found themselves in the middle of these two groups who were so corrosive and so aggravating and so... Uh, um, you know, violent, with a violent ideology, it, it, the Hindu was in the middle to portray 
to make a camouflage between the two groups of Muslims who were fighting covertly and overtly. Um, and that's where we were. And so this minority business has now become a front for the Congress to protect themselves from the errors they made during 1947. That's what it is. That's what the minorities are. And over time, they not only protected, they overprotected this minority. They created a new divide and rule. They blamed the British for the divide and rule. And they would say, oh, yes, the British is there for the divide and rule. We will do better. But no, they were worse than the British. They have run two countries in one two countries over the last 75 years as hypocrites pretending to be the saviors, the Jesus Christ, the Muhammad, and, and protecting and doing playing for justice. But in reality, they were never, they were camouflaging their errors and their hypocrite agenda behind the table. And this minority majority has become now uh, uh, an overt uh, concept where they play it as a defense mechanism every time they want to hide what they have doing. And they have divided the country in two or three different groups. They have never ever taken up for uh, Hindus in the country, unless you are secular. A secular person is someone who's disconnected from his roots, uh, who's been given an uh, uh, education like the, like the British or the English gave the education to the natives in Canada and in Americas. They gave them Christian education, they removed them from their roots, they told them that their ancient culture was heathen, was pagan, was heretic, they were going to hell, they put fear into them, and that fear was rebranded with some God and some paradise, some peace-loving paradise. Look at the mess that America is in. This is what the peace they, they, they think they are. Um, and this was happening in India, the secular was a front for Christianization of the Indian subcontinent. This is what this garbage secular was. Uh, it's a front for, colon for a colonial hangover. And this has now become a necessity to protect themselves, the Indian National Congress, for their grab on power and to, to absolve themselves of the crimes against humanity that they have practiced. Um, and behind them, them they have run, they have protected because they've given protection to these colonial hangovers, to these empires who've now rebranded themselves as religion. Now they have these colonial empires rebranded as religions are running drug cartels all about the place from Pakistan, from Pakistan, 80% of the drugs come into the country. Um, from the northeast, you've got another 20-25% coming into the country. It's controlled by the Christian states. All Christian, the northeast is predominantly Christian. So why, are they have, why do they have drug cartels on either flank of the country? And why do they need to protect it? First of all, they need to protect themselves of the crimes against humanity, their lies, the hypocrisy of 1947 and the early um, um, uh, independence movement, which was a lie. We didn't get in 
independence, we are still under colonization uh, by the secularists and the Marxists uh, to disconnect us from our heritage and rebrand us into drug cartels and drug addicted people where we will slowly die off and they will take over the land because their colonization is not for God. Their colonization is a front to take over the land, just like they did in North America. Uh, they converted the, the Christians, the natives to Christians. They made treaties. They didn't meet the treaties. Uh, they lied. They didn't give any money. And they put the, the natives on reserves. And here we go. So now these colonial empires, so-called minorities, if they're so big, such, such, such small minorities, why are they running drug cartels? Okay, so that is basically why Malik Arjun Karje and his group of dot, dot, dot are in front of the president to protect their drug cartels. They are so uh, engrossed in showing everything about Manipur, protecting Manipur, protecting this, protecting that, protecting everyone, uh, protecting the poor people of Manipur. In reality, they are protecting their drug cartels run by the church. And that's why they had Article 370. Article 370 was not to protect the culture of Kashmir. The Article 370 was to protect the drug culture of Kashmir uh, and the drugs coming into there because, you know, they've got a... Uh, they, they've got a vote bank there, but the vote bank is just a front for drug culture. Again, in Punjab, Haryana, Rajasthan, all these are drug culture areas. That's why you had the Mewat violence to resist against the... Uh, the BJP government who is doing everything to stop the drug cartels. So here is my question to the president of India. Here is my question to the, to the, to the, um, my question to uh, the, the hypocrite media of India and to the dot, dot, dot gang. I want to know how much of money exchange hand between the Christians of the Northeast, the Christian churches and the, and the Indian National Congress. If the Indian National Congress built so many churches uh, in the Northeast, where did the money come from? If it's coming from a foreign state, did they get the money from the drug cartels? Um, how much of money? Where is the trace of that money? Uh, where is the trace of the control of that money? Have they declared that money? Why was the Indian National Congress quiet on the Northeast for 65 years or 60 years? Why were they quiet? Why would there was nothing? Nothing in the newspapers or anything that was going on in the Northeast all this time. How much of drug cartels were they supporting? How much of money of commission did they get? I would like the Indian Prime Minister, the, uh, the President, to talk about these drug cartels, ask them the question. How much rape was going on in Manipur prior to the BJP taking power? How much of... Um, Drug cartels were going on in this, uh, were, were going on, uh, supported by the Indian churches in the Northeast, uh, for the last 65 years is my question. Um, how much of money came in from this area? How much of drugs come in from this area? How many violent raids came in through this area? How many raids were led by the Nagas and the Cookies in this area? Um, and how, uh, what did the Indian National Congress do during these raids 
in the area, how many illegals have been given um, passports uh, and, and Indian citizenship in this area, uh, in the Northeast, in the last 65 years? How come there is nothing, no information about it in the news or anywhere? I mean, if Mr. Dot 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 wants to really care about uh, Manipur. Manipur did not start in 2023. Manipur was there for a very long time. Where is the data and the news about uh, information about how much was going on all this time? What is the connection to the church? Where did they get the money to proselytize because it costs money? How many people were forced into proselytization, into conversion? How many churches are affronts are illegal churches in this area and that is what the Kajay gang is 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 going uh, pillar to post and to to the BBC to the foreign media talking about it they are not they don't really care about the minorities which they have they, they pretend to cover up what they are covering up is for their drug cartels is for the information about how much uh, what the how many churches are real legal or illegal? How many illegals there are? How many churches are fronts for drug cartels? How much of money has come in from the country, from outside the country, for these drug cartels and for building of these churches? And so they're trying to pretend that they're victims and they're doing something about it, but they're running helter-skelter in reality only to protect their drugs, their drug cartels, which are the source and the source of funding and the money of the Indian National Congress and the dot 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 gang, so they're really desperate to 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 for the information not to get out for uh, of all they have been doing for all these years, all the drug cartels they've been running, all the uh, all the times they have kept quiet on all these cartels on the violence of of thousands of people who've been forced to become Christian by by force and not by choice, just like in the Americas. They keep you poor, they keep you uneducated, they keep you uh, hungry, uh, they, they block the roads, they block, um, they blocked um, the roads so that no, uh, no goods and services can go into the Hindu areas, mighty areas in Manipur. So they block everything. You, you do not have money, you do not have power, you do not have food. And the only time they will stop the blockade is if you convert to Christianity. This is exactly how they converted the Native Americans to Christianity and Christianized them. Today, those Native Americans are drug addicts, they're alcoholics, they're rapists, uh, they are dying, they, are, they don't speak their native languages, they are completely lost from their culture, from their language, from the land, and they've been filled with this fake God in the sky and what happens to this God because you you have a void you have no control of yourself of the energies of the land you do not know how to live in conjunction with the land besides growing, growing drugs uh, in uh, poppy cultivation you become an alcoholic you become you lose your mind you have no connection you have no support system they've taken away the support system and that's how you get drug culture so malik arjay karjun is really there to to protect his drug culture of the of the, the northeast not for the for the hindus not for the manipuris not for the violence he doesn't care because they know they have run a drug cartel and the church is in conjunction with them and i would like to know 
of how much of money exchanged hands between the church and the Indian National Congress for the last 65 to 75 years. How much of money, how much of data was transferred, how much of information, how many illegals, how much of commission that the, uh, the, the, the Congress got and how much... Um, how much money came into the country, how many people were forcibly converted at gunpoint uh, in this area. So this is exactly what we want to know. And to Mr. Malik Khajit, we know that you're protecting your, your drug cartels. You are not protecting anyone else. You don't give a damn about minorities. It's to, to control and to camouflage your hypocrisy of your, of your drug addiction for power and your drugs on the land, which has destroyed the Indian subcontinent and divided the Indian subcontinent in 1947 for your sick, hungry lust for power and contempt that you have for everyone who does not support your ideology. My dear friends, that is the podcast today. Please spread it. Please share it with your friends, family, and have that conversation more importantly, because this is exactly what I wanted to say to you. Thank you very much. You have yourself a great day. Cheers and stay safe.